Hello and welcome back to Talking Salford. So I'm here in the brand new radio studio D here at our Media City campus as we explore new broadcasting locations for our interviews. Uh, there's a bit more light and a bit of a cracking view up here on the third floor. And for those watching on the YouTube feed, you'll notice that the cameras we're using are a bit different as well. In fact, this whole studio is designed so that our students feel like they are presenting on live radio and you definitely get that feeling from the setup. So after kicking series two off with one amazing woman in Jeanette Gamble, we have welcomed in another superstar guest today, who will no doubt be very familiar to some of you. It is, of course, the one and only Vicky Hawksworth. Hello, thanks for having me. Welcome back to campus. Um, so Vicky is one of our more recent alumni, but has gone on to do big things since leaving us. She grew up just a couple miles away from here in Bolton, and at the age of 14 decided she was going to be a radio presenter. In 2014, she arrived at this campus to pursue a degree in radio and television production and graduated three years later, determined to make her mark in radio. A regular on Bolton FM, she then got her foot in the door at Capital Manchester, determined to make it as a presenter and got a big break in 2020 when she landed one of the coveted Christmas presenter guest slots on BBC Radio 1. This led to Vicky becoming a freelance presenter with the station for a while and she also did stints at Gageo and at Radio Manchester whilst holding on to a dream to make it a Radio 1. This then became a reality in July 2022 when Vicky was announced as the co-host for the station's coveted afternoon slot alongside Dean McCulloch, replacing the legendary Scott Mills, and it was also to be broadcast from the BBC's Media City HQ, which is just a dozen yards away from where we are sitting right now. So, Vicky, talk to me about the role that radio played in your household growing up. Oh, it was on in every single room of the house. So we'd have about three different radio stations on every morning. Mum had, so it was Tower FM, which was our local station uh, in Bolton. That was on in the kitchen. Then in her bedroom, it was Q103, as it was at the time. And in mine and my sister's room, it was Capital Manchester, or as it was Galaxy when we first started listening. Yeah. And me and my sister were just terrible at waking up in the morning. So we'd have that on for an hour to the point that the presenters would like be in my dreams as well, which I don't know if I've ever actually told them because I have worked with them since. <laughs> And I was like, I remember there was one specific time where uh, I was in the Teletubby house with those presenters. And I'm not sure I've told them because I'm like, is that a bit weird? Um, so it was just sort of, I guess, surround sound radio. And it was just mm. a big part of my life. And I obviously went through those motions as a kid of being like, oh, I want to be a zookeeper or I want to be a hairdresser or I want to be a teacher, all those jobs that you kind of think you want to do. But I kind of kept coming back to like, oh, maybe it'd be quite nice to just like chat rubbish with your friends on the radio. Like, maybe I'll do that. And then when I was uh, in year nine and I had to pick my options, mm -hmm. I very nearly picked triple science, which um, my teacher took my mum to the side and was like, she can do it if she wants to, but she doesn't really seem to like science that much. So does she really want to do it three times over? Were you good at science, though? I was, I was all right at you science. Were all right, yeah. it, was it was science, do you know what I mean? But you had to pick from certain categories, and you I did. was just like, oh, I'll just go for that, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and at the time, I was very like art focused. So I had art sorted, I had like graphic design sorted. I didn't really know what else to go for. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to pick from that category, and I went, all right, I'll do media studies. Yep. And that's where it sort of like locked in my head. And me and my best friend were like, oh, we're going to be on the radio together and we're going to have a show together. And it became like, right, this is what I'm going to do. And I had no idea how to do it because I was the shyest person ever. And I barely spoke a word to anyone at school that wasn't my friend. But I was like, I'm going to talk for a living. Why not? Is it weird looking back on that now, now that you do what you do? Um, No, because I think for me, actually, what I found was that um, I found it very difficult to be myself in front of people because mm -hmm. I was obviously scared of, I guess it was scared of rejection or be, being laughed at or yeah. anyone taking the mickey out of you in whatever way because you do whatever you got to do to survive high school. Like, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Everyone knows what it's like at high school, especially in England. Um, and I... I found that with the microphone, I just felt like I could be myself fully mm -hmm. and I wasn't feeling like anyone was judging me. So I was my, I guess, truest self yeah. and in some ways my happiest self. So I got like really friendly with the microphone. That sounds a bit weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't cross any boundaries with the microphone. <laughs> but I found that it was like that. I think I find it strange if I go back to where I grew up and I see people from my school and I'm like, they can barely even remember that I existed because I didn't speak a word to them. Mm. And I'm like, no, I'm on the radio. <laughs> and I get paid to talk and I never spoke at all at school. What is it about radio for you? Because obviously um, you're, you're a very talented presenter. 
do you want to stick in radio or has TV ever kind of been something, oh, maybe I could do that in the future as well? It was always just like radio was the passion. That's what okay. I wanted to do. The dream was always just to have five days a week on the radio. And if I'm honest, I never dreamt of national. I kind of just wanted to be like the regional presenters that I'd grown up listening to because yep. that's what I loved listening to on the radio. I loved hearing people that sounded like the people I knew mm -hmm. and that humour that you also like understand and get. And and I... it. It wasn't I didn't want to do national. I just didn't want to move to London. So I kept my dreams quite like I'm going to be a regional presenter. And that's that's that. So then um, when the opportunity for Radio 1 came along, I obviously was like, well, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, but mm -hmm. it's obviously never going to happen. Um, and then it did happen. And I was like, great, now I'm on and I've got a show. And that was all I ever dreamed of. So I'm more than happy. Like I've achieved what what I set out to do um but then now I've thought well maybe it would be nice maybe it would be nice to try a bit of tv but the radio is still what I want to like be my main mm -hmm. thing and if I get to do anything else it's a bonus yeah me. I think with every radio presenter and even anyone that kind of talks for a living you've got to find your radio voice haven't you it's, it's not a normal voice it's it, it was well, about elocution, it's about pronunciation. Did you find yours quite early on when you started? I see, I've spent a career trying not to have a radio voice because <laughs> I was taught by the people I was around that mm. you want to sound like you have gone to the pub with your friends and that the listener is your friend and you're okay. just chatting to them and it's natural. And obviously there is still a difference between the way I talk in front of a microphone mm. and when I'm at home because I'll ring my sister after a show and she'll be like, you've got your presenter voice on. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't have one. I've worked really hard to be natural and normal. Um, but obviously, because you do have to sort of get into sort of a, you're putting a show and you can't just open the mm. mic and be like, morning, yeah. today's a bit rubbish. You know, so um, I guess... I don't know how to, what I could possibly give you advice on or, or what I could explain to you because yeah. for me it was all just about trying to sound as natural as I possibly could. So I still drop my H's, I drop my T's, my mum gets mad at me because I say Hawksworth uh, rather than Hawksworth. Oh, well, I say Hawksworth, but she's like, it's Hawksworth. Um, I don't have to, to say that so much now because it's Dean and Vicky rather than Vicky Hawksworth. Mm. Um, so that saves me some time and a link. Don't have to say that lengthy yeah. long name. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to try and be as normal as possible. How did you get yourself comfortable when you were in the studio? Because you obviously had this dream for such a young age, but when you first started getting in and started talking to a microphone, what was it that you loved about it? Was it just the freeing fact that you could just, you know, talk for England or just, just have a conversation with your mates? Or was it... Like, what, what was the thing that really kind of gripped you once you got in? It's like, oh, I really enjoy doing this. Oh, do you know what? I uh, I think it's a bit of all of it, really. Mm. When I first went in Sport and FM, I thought I was just sitting in and watching a show. And he threw a newspaper in front of me and he said, 20,000 people are listening, read that. There wasn't 20,000 people listening. Um, but I was new and I was like, oh, and I was reading the paper. And mm. I guess there is an element of, like, there is the thrill of the fact that it's live and anything yep. can kind of go wrong or hopefully right. Um, I guess I just uh, really enjoyed having a chance to just sort of chat freely and talk about the ridiculous things that I was thinking and turn them into something and hopefully entertain people and it feels like you're um it, it feels like because I'm trying to be a friend to the listener I guess yeah. like you're chatting with friends and you're just having a great time and you're having a laugh and a joke and especially now I've got a co-host when we're at like um, obviously we, we do bounce off each other really well, but there are certain extra shows where you're just like, you're firing on all cylinders mm. and you're like, joke, joke, joke. And it's like, there's just so much fun in that. And yeah. I think that's what I uh, I love about it. And I love as well when you've got like an idea and then you turn into something and then it, it sort of like um, spirals, not spirals, good spirals. What's the word for good spiraling? Like it... Uh, Spiral upwards, I suppose. I mean, yeah, the, it's... Tumble, not tumbleweed. Well, I can't remember the word. I don't. I honestly don't know how I'm a presenter. Um, but <laughs> it becomes even more, and it grows and grows, and mm. becomes like a bigger thing. Like so, this week on the show, we've been talking about. Um, so the, this guy put a TikTok up about how. Um, Panto lineups are so rogue and so random. Mm. And so we featured him on the show and we were talking about it. And and then we were going to do, you know, what is your like perfect panto lineup? So, you know, for, you could have the fish and a rice cake guy and oh, Miriam Margulies, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we did a chat around that and then it kind of 
changed and became like, what is your perfect Radio 1 panto lineup? Who should be who? Mm. So now we're doing um, Charlie Weller uh, or Char- Charlie Ella rather than Cinderella. And we're getting all the other DJs in and we're going to do a panto next week. And Dean's written it. He stayed up all night writing this panto script, which is brilliant. And uh, I guess I just love that you can take this small thing and create all of this nonsense out yeah, of it. Yeah, I think, well, that nonsense is a great word, isn't it? That is the joy of radio, isn't it? Where it when it is a bit nonsense, when it, you kind of go off script or it's a bit spontaneous thinking and you're just like, we're just going to go with this. Because Radio 1 is known for doing these things where sometimes they'll just fire you off across the country and then... Guess have to try and find you guys. Yeah. Okay, so Vicky, let's talk about your time as a student here then. Yeah. Um, it's obviously great to have you back on campus, but what are your core memories from being here? Oh, there's so many. Obviously, Gary, Gary the tutor, Gary mm-hmm. Morrisrow was a legend that we all learned from and we loved. And um, so I have a lot of fun memories of working with him and doing Radio Studio. I think Radio Studio was where like my favourite times were because mm-hmm. obviously we just got to make as many random shows as we could we did a whole like spiritual like ghost hunting psychic show once uh we went to like Audsall Hall and took a like the old machines the, I don't know if you still use this this equipment but I can't remember what they were called like, obviously now you have like the zoom recorders and mm-hmm. that and the Tascams but these were like big chunky ones that I think you could have recorded on tape with okay. and we used to like take them around and so we took them to Auto Hall and I was like right if there are any spirits in here will you break the recording equipment <laughs> and it stopped working and then so we did the show and I was like this is proof like yeah. you know, obviously there was some sort of spirit here it's supposed to be an extremely haunted hall um, and Gary was just like shaking his head at me and he was like obviously it's just because it's old kit thing. and I was like come on we needed some proof for the show we can't have an entire show with no spiritualness um, and we went on all the way, I mm. don't know why, but we went all the way down south to see a psychic. Um, That's commitment. I know. I don't really know why we didn't find one like local, mm. but we went all the way down south on a road trip, and he like read our palms, um, told me all sorts of. He was. He said I'd have a child now, um, and that I, <laughs> I'd have had a, this child by a man called Kieran, <laughs> who I would be massively in love with. Um, have you met a Kieran since? I avoided them all, like, the plague after that. I was like, that's not going to happen. Kieran, no, 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 it's not happening, mate. Yeah, <laughs> especially because he told everyone else, he was like, you're going to get married in this year and you're going to get married in this year. And he went, I'm just going to let you decide what happens with Kieran and this baby. So I was like, great, so Kieran's <laughs> going to abandon me when I have this child, great. Um, so I decided that uh, I would avoid all Kierans yeah. after that. And then I was also, like, slightly worried, like, what if, like, it's someone's middle name? And, mm. I, you know, they're like, oh, I'm Dave. And then it turns out middle name's Kieran. <gasps> it comes straight. <laughs> so, I uh, yeah, I just st- stayed away from Kieran's. But there's lots of lovely things <laughs> like that that I feel like I remember fondly from those times. Yeah, so you obviously stay in quite a lot in touch with people that are still here. Or you, where you're, old, you're old lecturers. You say, you keep in quite in touch with Gary then. Yeah, I talk to Gary sometimes, yeah. Um, and it, it's always so lovely like to mm-hmm. catch up with Gary. He's such an enthusiastic guy and... Um, and I'm just glad of everything that he taught me. I don't uh, really speak to any of the other ones. Obviously, sometimes later. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy taught us. Mm-hmm. He did my final project, but I've I've not seen him since. So hope he's doing well. I think the thing is, is obviously you came a few years after this building got set up and everything, mm. and you're in one of our brand new studios here. Um, which is all familiar, to, which is not familiar to you, I should say. It's all brand new. But when you first came here and you got to the chance to work on these radio studios and kind of hone your craft, what was that like to kind of have that freedom as a student to be like, we can do just our, completely our own thing and we can do this for fun for three years? It was really good because you do realise when you're there that there's an element of like you are kind of just playing because there's no way anyone would have commissioned a ghost hunting show (laughs) and there's no way anyone would have commissioned like what my final project was so you kind of just take it and like have as much fun with it as you can because obviously it is a way of developing your skills and learning how to do all those things and do live radio and you gain all of that from it but it's your opportunity to just do whatever you want without someone going well who's the audience we're not doing this Uh and can you pitch this and blah 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 and obviously you still have to do all of those things but no one's going no you can't make it they're like here's a studio make a show about ghost hunting or what did we do we did a kids show that was really fun um 
because two of the girls in my team wanted to work in children's. Mm -hmm. So we did an entire show where we went to space and it was obviously all like in your imagination, but we had all the sound effects and we all played different characters and got to do like voiceover, which was really exciting. And then for my final project, I did a show called Midnight Wonders and it was like a late night radio show where sort of, it was, if I'm honest, it probably did sound a bit fever dreamish now. When I look back, it was quite like a little bit out there, but there was sort of this element of, shower thoughts like the most random questions that you have and we would try and get them answered yeah, and, yeah. and dreams and like I had this really good uh dream expert from Australia she was like really well known in the dream world for telling you what your dreams meant unfortunately her line was terrible so I had to get another guy in who was also really good but um yeah uh, now as an adult I'm like why did I do dreams because everyone's like oh dream chat I want to talk about dream chat <laughs> but dreams are my final project but it was just so much fun because yeah. you could do anything and as long as you could pitch it to like your tutor and be like this is the reason why I want to do it and mm. this is how I think it's going to work you were able to do it yeah. I just had a flashback to, I went to blind uh, not blind dates but I went to um Oh my god, what's it called? Speed dating. I yeah. went to speed dating and recorded people who were speed dating for a segment on my Ooh. show. I can't remember what show it was now, but I like went up to them was like, how's it going? And asked them all that. And I tried to do a Silla Black impression like I was on blind date and it was so bad. And it got cut from the show in the end. But they kind of just let you go and do whatever you want to do, which is great. Uh, yeah, I think absolutely that's true. I think that sums it up well. Um, I want to talk about how you got your start at Radio 1, because this is obviously a dream job, not just for yourself, but for hundreds of thousands of kids across the country They listen to that show. That is the dream job for a lot of people. So talk to me about that happened. So um, in 2019, they started the Christmas Presenter Search, mm -hmm. and I, uh, like the week before, when you had to apply and put it in, I was on holiday and I was like, oh, right, I, I can't relax, I need to think about what I'm putting into this demo, it's like a big opportunity. So I put together this demo after I got back from holiday, after planning it on my holiday, and I was like, this is great, this is some of my best stuff. Set it in, never heard a thing, and was mm. like, oh, okay, right, never mind. Because I was like checking my email every day, like maybe, maybe, nothing came through. And then 2020 happened, we all made radio under our duvets, and no one knew what to talk about on the radio anymore because nothing good was happening and I didn't know whether I was any good anymore because mm. I was just recording pre-recording links under a duvet for Bottom FM and um and then I joined up and did sort of Durham on Air which was from my bedroom yeah. um so I was you know I was doing stuff but it, it didn't feel like I was really making any like progress in mm -hmm. terms of becoming a presenter tricky time um but this came this competition came back around again and I was like I've got nothing to lose. I'm yeah, going to yeah. apply for it. They're probably not going to like it, but at least I've tried. Um, so I put this demo together, which I was I was mostly pleased with, but I feel like you're never 100% pleased with it. Um, and I was like, got to the point where I went, that's it now, I'm done. There's no more tinkering. I'm just going to send it in and I'm not going to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't think about it. And even the deadline passed for when they were going to let you know. And I just didn't even notice because I was like, if a message comes through, a message comes through. I'm not going to drive myself crazy yeah. looking for something. And then I got this WhatsApp um, and it was like, hi, I'm Jacob. I'm a producer at Radio 1. And I was like, that's a scam. Why? Why would you WhatsApp me? And I was like, that's I'm not I don't believe this. Mm. Um, but then I thought, you know, that would be a really niche scam. Like, how would they know I'd applied for Radio 1? What would they want? <laughs> yeah. What would they be trying to scam you for? I know. I've like grown up in a house where my mum is like, you're going to get scammed by this. Don't tell anyone this and mm, don't do that. And okay. so I'm like, oh, and she'll chop up like everything in the house, even if it's not got any of your details on, she'll shred it and chop it up. So I, I guess I was just like, it's a scam. <laughs> and then I was like, no, how would they have got my number? I'm going to reply. So thank God I replied because mm. otherwise I wouldn't be sat here now. <laughs> Um, and then went through the process. You, you had to do like another demo to show them sort of like a few different skills that they wanted to see. And uh, I remember recording a link about uh, how I'd bought my brother some, like, it was like straighteners for his beard so that he could style his beard. But when they came, they said hair straighteners on the box, but my brother's bald. And I was just like, I can't give him this. So that was one of my links. Um, and then you did a bit of, like, music, passion. It's quite cruel, really. <laughs> I had to cross out the hair and write beard because I was like, I'm not, like, yeah. I'm not, this is your gift, you know, I'm not made of money. I can't buy another thing. Um, but it, it's perfect. I love it when things like that happen in life because it gives you something to, to take to well, yeah. um, and then you know then you had your pictures taken and they were like they were just taking these just in case it's not a guarantee and so you're like mm. oh, I'm just hoping um, 
and then yeah, then I got the call from Alid, and he was like, "We want to like offer you two shows, twenty seventh, the twenty eighth, twenty ninth of December." Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, and he was like, "I'm not going to pay you," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, amazing! This is the <laughs> first time anyone had ever paid me to present, and it was Radio One, and I was oh, like, wow. that's wild." Yeah. Um. So I went into those two shows, and I was like, "Do you know what?" I'm never going to be back here again. Not, I'm, and I sound like such a pessimist, but I was like, I want to go in with thinking that I'm never going to be here again. Yeah, because if I think I'm proving... Like, obviously, I did work hard and I prepped and I made sure that I was showing what I could do in those shows, but I was like, if I go in and think I'm fighting to be back, I'll hate myself for every mistake yeah. or I'll be like, oh, and I won't enjoy it. And in the case that I might not ever be back, I want to enjoy these shows mm-hmm. and be like, I've been on Radio 1. So I went in and I feel like I enjoyed those shows more than any shows I'd ever enjoyed before because I was like, I'm just going to have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and they were great and I loved them. And there were mistakes made, of course, because I was like, ah, I'm on Radio 1. Um, and I'd never like used that system before. Mm. I was so used to using automated systems where those songs log in, like load in, boom, 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 and you just press stop if you want yeah, to talk. Yeah, you want it to check, and yeah. in that, it's like load, load. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> Quite daunting then, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but amazing as well because mm. as well because I was I'm from Bolton. I was going to the Big Smoke and I was in these big fancy studios and I was getting to say I'm on Radio One and you know I had a lifetime supply of funny stories to use because <laughs> I'd only ever used them on community stations that a few people in Bolton had heard. So yeah. I was like, I'm good to go. If you've got an opportunity to talk to the nation, you're gonna t- grab that with both hands, aren't you? Yeah, I yeah. mean, well, they gave me basically they gave me anthems, which is you know you obviously play these blocks of songs and then you do. Yeah shout outs and I was like nah I'm gonna put some stories in I can't <laughs> prove what I can do if I'm just doing shout outs so I was like I'm gonna fit a story in here and I just fit loads of stories into these like 30 second sections quite a skill um, and my producer was like we're gonna have to do some shout outs <laughs> like, you need to do so and I was like all right then <laughs> um so but I, yeah. in my head it was like I need to be able to show you what I can do yeah no exactly so that's what I did <laughs> okay so so that opportunity comes up and then what's it so from that was 2020 and Christmas. And then what then happened to get to the point where we got to in July 2022? So then um, they had early breakfast, like presenter slots for the Fridays. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of known that the year before they'd taken their like favourite people from the 30 of the Christmas presenters. Yeah. And they got to do that early breakfast slot. And I didn't hear anything. I was like, that's it. I've, I've messed up. I don't know why I'm so... Like, very, I jumped to a thousand. I'm so, I don't know why. I thought I was quite a positive person. But <laughs> I was like, right, that's it. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm not in that, but that's fine. I'll just keep, like, working away. Absolutely. And, you know, at least I've got this under my belt. And then uh, I got a call to cover Ariel uh, for a week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so this is kind of like the early breakfast slot, but this is a week. So I went mm-hmm. in and I did that. And then you saw, I've sort of got a bit of cover here or there every few months or so. Mm-hmm. And you'd go in and, and do it and, and have a great time and hope that, you know, they liked what you did. Um, did, you, did you take that same attitude that you had when you did the Christmas stuff? You were just like, right, I'm going to go in and just try and give as much of myself to this as I can, really. In some way, yeah, I went, oh, well, I put everything into it that I could, but now it felt like there was more stakes in it because I'd been invited back. I see. Um, so it was like, oh, maybe I can, like, come back, <laughs> you know? So it was like, okay, right. Um, and I still obviously thoroughly enjoyed doing what I did because that early breakfast slot is so much fun and, and there's such a lovely selection of listeners that text in and get yeah. behind you because they're, you know, like trucking and they need that energy from someone and you know they need um an early breakfast crew so they're all really welcoming and lovely and I had a lot of fun doing it and uh after that then you know you just wait and hope that you'll get to come back again um and so I lived in that for a little bit but I was also making lots of other moves at home so I was still working at Capital Manchester and doing stuff with them yeah but I um you know I got a show at Radio Manchester so I was working with them and trying to just sort of get my uh, my air miles up and practicing Absolutely. working with that sort of same desk that you would get to work yeah. with at Radio One. Yeah. Um, and I started working at the Mank and mm-hmm. doing sort of things on video and doing sort of live news with them and trying to get used to that sort of potentially, you know, having a co-presenter throw something at you Absolutely. live yeah, and yeah, you yeah, needing to sort show. of come up with something else to say or whatever. So I was just sort of getting about with anyone who would hire me, basically. Yeah, no, I, yeah. 
doing the hard grafting really i suppose um but then you you did get the call so talk mm. so that was was it around april time that year when you got the call yes so it was i didn't know scott and chris were leaving um I'd, me and Dean did one demo together, mm-hmm. but, you know, I just thought they're trying things out. You know, I didn't think Scott, one of the biggest presenters, was leaving mm. and that that would be us trying out for it. Yeah. Um. So I didn't know that Scott and Chris were leaving until the world knew that Scott and Chris were leaving. Uh, so that was like a Friday. And I had people texting me and they were like, it's going to be you, it's going to be you. And I was like, it's absolutely not going to be me. You don't go from doing a bit of cover every now and again to daytime like I was like that's just not and I'd know by now I was like I'd know like um so I was like it's really nice that everyone is texting this but I need I was saying to my producer because I was on Radio Manchester that night I was like I just need people to stop saying it because it's not happening and I've got shows to do <laughs> um uh, as lovely as it is um obviously that was my pessimism coming through but I was just like that's not how the industry works in my head if you're getting that show of that caliber you've you've known for months you know that's how I yeah, thought it would work that's how you thought it was gonna happen uh so then Saturday morning um I got just got sent a message from Alid and he just asked me, you know, um, I'm just putting feelers out to everyone. Yeah. Would you be interested in a show and what show would that be? Um, and, you know, would you be available, you know, from September onwards? And I still very much wasn't like backing myself. So I'm like, who's just asking everyone? Did, it, did that um, click at any point that you were up for that one? In my head, that was me just thinking, well, somebody else is getting Scott and Chris's show, but potentially another right. show might be opening might be up. up. And so obviously, I've, of course, I would take any show. Any so show. that I panicked because I was like, I've got to say, I've got to throw my hat in the ring for whatever show it is I want, but I would happily take any show. But I can't just say I'll take any show. So I started to overthink, and I'm like, well, what do I say? Which show do I say? And uh, I've got to give him the right answer. Mm. And so I um, ended up leaving Ali hanging for two hours um, <laughs> and didn't text him back. because I was. Like... It's, it, well, it's a big thing, isn't it? it, yeah, it's, it I mean, it's a massive opportunity when you get those kind of messages, but it's just like you, you do over... I think anyone would overthink in that scenario, Vicky. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't seen it for an hour. I'm actually not very good at my phone. And then I was getting ready to go and film something for the Manx. Yeah, and my yeah. mum... Well, and, you were working. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I let my mum and my boyfriend tell me, like, don't worry about it. Just, like, carry on getting ready or you'll be late and then you can reply to him. So as yeah. I'm finally replying to him... um. Because my mum did say to me as well, she was like, well, if you want Scott and Chris's slot, you've got to tell him that you want that okay. because somebody else will tell him that mm-hmm. they want that and then they might get it. And I was like, yeah, but he's not going to give me that slot. So why? <laughs> I don't want to be an idiot and ask for that when I'm not going to get it. Um, oh, so anyway, eventually I started to reply to him. And as I was writing out this message, he rang me and he was like, you know, saying, gosh, you've left me sweating. And I still didn't click on that. Oh. I was in the running because I said oh have a lot of people been messaging he was like people so many people have been messaging me so in my head I'm like oh I've messed up now (laughs) oh all these people are throwing the hat in the ring I should have said something sooner um so anyway we had a bit of a call and he just asked me a few questions and I'm still thinking you know I don't know maybe I've messed this up Mm. and I hang up and I'm like Sam he's had to ring me and oh I've left him for two hours but he rang you though if he had so many people messaging you but he rang you that must have been a sign that he's really interested I guess I just didn't look at it that way no. I kind of just thought I still thought I'd messed up rather mm. than and obviously now with hindsight I can be like oh yeah and he did say to me actually he was like when you're writing uh, your book in the future, you can write about how you nearly missed off, uh, missed out on a big opportunity. And I still didn't think. I still was like, oh, yeah. Still in denial. Sorry, you know. Yeah. And, um, and then, um, so, but then what happened was I went on this night out in the, in, on that, because it was Saturday, I went on a night out. Mm. And I was sat with my boyfriend and a couple of friends. And this song came on that I'd picked as a free play when I'd done cover on Radio 1. Yeah. And I'd not heard that song out in public anywhere else. And actually... After I'd picked it, I'd kind of, I know I shouldn't have, but I kind of forgot about it and hadn't heard it since I'd played it. And then this song out of nowhere that I'd never heard played in public on anyone's radios, like in terms of, you know, when you're out in the shops or whatever, just came on. And I was like, oh, it's a sign. I was like, (laughs) something's happening. I've not heard that song anywhere for months, months, um, apart from Radio 1. And I was like, that for me feels like something's coming. But I know the universe was telling you something. Yeah. Yeah. but I still went out and drank loads of zombies and got very drunk and woke up the next morning and was so hungover um, that I saw this text from Alid that was like, can you come to Media City? 
for 1.30. Um, sorry that it's... On the Sunday? On the Sunday. Um, he's like, there's someone I want you to meet. He's big like, text. That's a big text. Um, it was quite cryptic, and he had apologised for how cryptic it was, but I was like, yeah, of course, I'll be there. But I <laughs> had to sort of get home and sort myself out and make myself mm-hmm. look presentable. I didn't have time for a shower. That's awful, isn't Ooh. it? I know. So <laughs> those press pictures that we had, I don't I don't like. I won't go over and under shower. Oh, is that when the press pictures happened? <laughs> they were on the same day, because we were on a bit of a tight schedule. Um, but anyway, so I got to Media City and uh, I didn't know who I was walking into. I didn't know that I was meeting Alid no. or anyone. I didn't know who I was going into. Um, and he said, oh, you just, just let me know when you get there and I'll let the producer let you in. And I was like, okay, all right, what's going on? This is so cryptic. I know, I was like, because oh. uh, he said, we're going into the building next to Doc House. And I was like, I thought maybe he meant the studios because I was like, sure, it doesn't mean dockyard because that's the building next to it. Um, and so anyway, he, he rang me and he was like, they're in the dockyard. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, who? <laughs> he, was, he was silent. He was like, must have been enjoying this. This is the only thing I can think of. It yeah. must have been horrible. No, it was, it was quite nice because I was like, there's no way I can walk into something bad. No, like, but... Um, I think he just wanted it to be a lovely moment and it really was a lovely moment. But I was like, so I said, well, who is it? And he, he was silent. So I was like, well, will I recognise them? And he said, yes, you'll recognise them. So I walked in and it was Dean and Alid and mm-hmm. he was like, you know, we want to give you... Scott and Chris's show, and I was just like, uh, okay, <laughs> yes. Um, and he, you know, he went to the bar. He was like, I'll give you a bit a moment to just sort of take that in. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, I've got to get my big girl pants on and move to London then. And he was mm. like, no, it's from Salford. So I was like, hang on. So I'm getting like a massive coveted slot on Radio One on national radio, and I get to stay yeah. at home, which is where I wanted to stay. Um, it was, yeah, I was quite speechless. I didn't really know what to say. Obviously, I said, oh, I think I made a few noises, flummoxed, and then I went, yes. And he went, that's good, because Dean hasn't said yes yet. <laughs> but he had, but I think, because you're just like, so like, Ugh. yeah. Um, and then when we left, I was like, should we just go and jump in the keys? It felt like you should go and do something like, wow, mad. Um, Try, yeah, you must have had so much emotion that just would be radiating out of you and just like... You just got to let it loose, really. Yeah. Um, but my oh. friend, so I was taking my friend out for her birthday that day. So yeah. we had to go and do that and then come back for the photo. Did you have to keep it a secret? Um, I will admit I did tell her, but I didn't <laughs> tell her. I just said, I, I'm going to be a bit late because something's going on. And then she guessed. Yeah, so yeah. I, and she wasn't going to tell anyone. She wasn't in radio. And Alad had said I could tell someone as long because they weren't in the radio yeah, it was world. Like they weren't in the radio world, um, yeah. And so anyway, I went and met her. And we went and did, we were doing the Cube experience, actually. So that was quite fun. But yeah. I was, like, watching the clock the whole time because I was like, I've got to get back to Media City for this photograph. Um, and I'd, I'd gone home and got my entire wardrobe and put it in the back of my car. And then, and then so we rushed back after the Cube and I got changed in a car park. I was panicking. Like, like I hope there's not footage. And I'm not telling anyone where that car park is, but I pretty much just like stripping in a car park like what should I wear for this photo I'm so unprepared um and then went and had the picture and and it was it was great but I went for tea with my friend afterwards because obviously it was still like trying to celebrate her birthday and she was just like talking at me about everything like your life's gonna change and this is gonna happen and I was just like yeah I just had nothing I couldn't I was like I can't take this in um Massive so, day, massive day. And the next massive day must have been the very first show you did. So how yeah. did that go for you? Well, we did a few shows together in the summer. Mm. Um, so that was quite nice to be able to do that and know that it wasn't our first time going on air when we launched. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good. But uh, those shows were absolutely boiling. It was a scorching summer and the studio was like a thousand degrees and you put a laptop on your legs and it'd like slide off because it was so hot um i even said on air that we were in a hot box and i didn't realize what that meant um so i was like um (laughs) but then when we launched on the 5th of september it was it was funny because our editor came up from london Mm -hmm. and he was like why is it so calm in here um and I think what we've done is, because it's in the Salford Studios, it is a different atmosphere to in the London ones. Yeah. It's a lot quieter. There's not, you know, we're the only Radio 1 show in on that day. Yeah. So it was quieter, but I feel like we were all just pretending to be calm on the surface. Mm. And inside, it was like, uh, I feel like if anyone else had started to panic, my bluff would have been called oh, off and we would have all. So everyone knew, like, we're just going to come in and be like, this is fine. We're just 
we're just launching a show on Radio 1. It's mm-hmm. no big deal, you know. Um, I was late, though, <laughs> which is not great. I wasn't late for the show, but I was. we were meant to be in at 12, and I was 15 minutes late, and I am the most apologetic person in the world. Like, sorry is punctuation for me. But I do mean it when I say it. I know people say if you say sorry a lot, it loses meaning, but I mean it every time. <laughs> um, but I, so I was driving in, and I was like, I am. I'm late, and mm. this is not great. I could walk in and I could be all like, oh, I'm so, so, so sorry. Or I could just, for once in my life, own it. Mm. And so I just walked in and was like, hi, everyone. (laughs) They were like, are you not going to reference the fact that you're 15 minutes late on day one? And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Um, But from that, we um, developed a feature, which is called Owning It. And we would both bring a statement to the table and it's a story that's happened to one of us in our life. And one of us is lying and one of us is telling the truth and we get asked questions and basically the listener has to work out who's lying. Oh, I love that. uh, Or who's owning it. Yeah. Um, Which was really good fun and I was really glad that um, if anyone does pull me up on the fact that I was late on day one, I can be like, but this feature was only exists. There you go. Some good did come from that. (laughs) Yeah. When 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 you first officially then become on as a as a well, I guess it's a daytime presenter radio one as a select group of people. So how do they ease you in? Do, do you get any kind of like support like in terms of just the big change this is going to have on your life? Um, I guess well they're always there for you if you need them and like everyone was so welcoming and I had a lot of people messaging like lots of different presenters like Katie and uh, even Chris and like you know from Scott and Chris like yeah. message and they were like. If you need anything, just sort of, you know, let us know we're here. Like, we've done this. We've lived this experience. Mm. And, you know, it's as amazing it is. It's kind of, it's quite a lot. And it's quite, you know, overwhelming at times in a, in a great way. Um, And so they're all there if you do need them. And obviously we've got a really good team in that our producer. Um, uh, so our producer is Cosicciano. And he's worked at Radio 1 for a long time. And he's launched lots of different shows and stuff so I lent on him and mm. I think we all just sort of lent on each other and just we're all a little bit like this is a huge thing that we're doing and we're all just going to figure it out together yeah um and obviously there is that detachment in terms of being in Salford and not being in London but I do know that if I wanted to call on anyone in London that they would be there and they would be supportive so that's good I think it's just a case of knowing that everyone everyone is there and if you need them they'll they'll be there cool so the university has quite a proud history of former graduates working at the station. Yeah. Now, I don't have an exhaustive list, <laughs> but we've had uh, Katie Thistleton, who you know well, uh, Victoria Jane, Lauren Layfield is joining the station in January, uh, Ivana Maxted, Priya Matharu and Ella McLeod. They've all had presenting or guest presenting slots on one of the UK's biggest stations. Um, I know you've got quite a good relationship with Katie, but why do you think many of our grads target Radio 1 as a place really to try and work at? Why wouldn't you, though? Like, if you want to present, why would you not aim for Radio 1? I mean, I know I wasn't <laughs> aiming for it, but that was only because I didn't think it was uh, a possibility. Whereas if you can have the opportunity to be on Radio 1, I think you should try and grasp that opportunity. I think, as well, what is really lovely about Radio 1 is it gives you a space to be you. Mm-hmm. It is a station where your personality can shine and you can create content that is a bit maybe chunkier or is a little bit quirkier or silly or just whatever you kind of want to to get out of radio you've got more opportunity to do that I would say on radio one than maybe on some other commercial stations just because there's less time to speak on those stations so Mm -hmm. I think you know it it is appealing in that sense in that you get a bit more freedom and you get to explore and play a little bit more I guess with radio okay um and also it's it is just such a great station in that there's so much else going on as well you've got all those specialist shows you've got all this different sort of music that you can get into and get stuck in and you can you know I have a feature well we have a feature that we uh, are resting at the moment but when we first launched the show was called Vicky's Indie Lyric Quiz and I was able to you know, show that I love this indie music and give that indie music a bit of a platform, even if yeah. we were just saying that they had a bit of a quirky lyric, you know, but that gives you a chance to sort of back what it is that you love, that mm. in some stations, in a lot of stations, there's a very clear, specific brief of this is the exact music we play and this is the kind of thing that we do. And with Radio 1, you've got a nice smorgasbord of good word we are highlighting all the best bits of all those things and that's a really nice place to be 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you've you've nailed that nailed that spot on. It's um I think when you're when you're age around the time when you get to uni, where you want to, I think for many people would be kind of their go to station. So it's just natural that you'd be like, well, they're talking about the things that I really want to talk about, yeah. and you just want to just jump into that. So I guess one thing that we haven't really touched on is about being in the spotlight because. Of course, when you're a presenter at a national station like that, uh, you're more likely to be recognised out in public, uh, and I guess image becomes more of a thing. So how have you found that? I, do you know what? I actually think it's fine. I think people... You know, it is a more of a visual world now, radio, mm. uh, in a way that part of what appealed to me was that I could, if I wanted to, come to work in my scruffies and have no makeup on and no one would ever know, but that's not the world that we're in now. Not in radio. anymore. <laughs> uh, now I have to make effort. Oh, God. Um... But I actually do think there's more people that don't really know what you look like. They know your voice, yeah. but they don't know what you look like. Because if you think about the people that are listening day to day, they're going about their life. They're driving to a job or they're in the office. And so they're in and out listening. Mm-hmm. They're not sort of um, looking you up and checking what yeah, you look yeah, like yeah. and stuff. So I think there is still that element of radio that I kind of thought was gone where you have an image of a presenter in your mind. And then if you find out what they look like, you're like, oh, that's not, that's not what I thought. And you don't really know what you thought, but it's like, that's my, you don't look like what I, what I thought you would. I think that does exist a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think because I'm in Salford as well, like people do think that the show is in London. So I, I think maybe if people think it's me, then they don't think it's me because I think I'd be in London. <laughs> so do you think the fact that it's in the North has has grounded you from that, that public image aspect a little bit more? Maybe. Um, but, I, you know, sometimes people do come up and ask for pictures and stuff, which is That's lovely. Fine. That's really nice. Um, but I'm not getting mobbed, which is also very nice. <laughs> um, but there is, because I've got into rollerblading and roller skating. Okay. Um, and so someone texted me the other day and they were like, Vicky, you definitely skated past me in Manchester the other day. And I was like, I didn't. That wasn't me. <laughs> um, and then another person texted him when we replied to that and they were like, no, you. I saw you at the Christmas market. So I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> so I feel like there's a doppelganger Vicky out there. Maybe she's doing all the selfies with people. <laughs> <laughs> which is great she can she can you know she, she can have that job. yeah yeah uh, so lastly then i wonder if you can help provide some advice to our students that are here now um because because th- this is a very competitive industry so what are any tricks of the trade on how to make yourself stand out i think you need to make sure that you're being you because i think it's, what's quite easy is you find a presenter that you love and then you model yourself on them and you do what they do because you're like, well, what they do is great and that's what I love, so I'm going to keep doing it, Mm -hmm. which is great. You can take advice from that and you can learn from them, but make sure that you're doing it with your voice and how you do it because no... It, no one's going to hire you if you sound exactly the same as the person they've already got because they've already got that person and they don't need that person. Um, so I think just work on you and being unapologetically you and also knowing what it is that you want to sound like on air because that is going to just just going to help you no ends if you get into the big job and they're like, well, who are you? People love to ask you this, this question in this industry. They're like, who is Vicky? And you're like, uh, I've just talked nonsense on the radio, what do you mean? So craft that so that you know exactly what it is that you want to sound like. And um, what I would say is really important is I find it quite hard to give advice to people on how to get into radio Mm. because everyone's story is different, but also a lot of the things that I did aren't an option for you to do now, which is a real shame. But the, the premise of getting into the industry is pretty much the same. You want to get in the room with those people. Um, so for me, going to a student radio event was, I would say, like the catalyst for the rest of my career. Yeah. And I hadn't really engaged with any of the student radio events. I went and I did my student radio show, but then I went home. I didn't like sort of interact with anyone. And then I was working at Q103 as assistant producer and the producer, uh, the presenter, Adam Catterall, said to me, student radio is where it's at. It's how you're going to get in. So in my this is my third year near the end. And I was like, right, well, I best get myself <laughs> to an event then. Uh, and I went to one event, which was in Liverpool. Yeah. And all the capital Liverpool and the capital Manchester people were there. And they um, said, well, we're doing this sort of workshop day at capital Liverpool. If you want to come along, yeah. like you can put your name down. So I went to that. And then they were running a competition. Well, it wasn't a competition, but it was like uh, an application process where yeah. you could uh, be uh, on the breakfast show as a assistant sort of producer intern for a month. And I applied for that and I got that, which was amazing. And so then from there, I managed to get my foot in the door with Capital Manchester, which is where 
I went for a year when I wasn't at work and after work and just was like, please let me just do anything mm-hmm. and I will prove myself to you and I'll learn from all yeah, of this. Yeah. And Because um, I went in for like two days and then I just kept asking the, the boss there and he was like, Vicky, just come in whenever you want. So I did. So I just came in <laughs> every day I could and learned from the presenters and the producers and um, proved to them that I was like a team player and yeah. I would and if they ever needed anyone, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And and I picked up shifts and made bits of money and then managed to get my first like sort of paid radio job through them because I'd shown them like how I could, like what I could do and mm-hmm. how willing I was and um, that I was worth hiring. You know, it was basically a year long audition. <laughs> um, and what I would say is that that might not there might not be as many places to do that now and there mm-hmm. might not be as many you know opportunities like that but if you can get yourself into a building with people who are in the industry and sort of work alongside them and get to know things from them and you know learn from them that is a really good thing to do basically yeah. because these everyone that I've met in the industry just wants to help you and getting to know those people and having those people in your sort of contacts is a really good way to develop your career and move onwards because as far as my experience goes these people will do anything to help you you know they'll push you forward and if you tell them that you want to present they'll try however they can to help you so um get into those rooms with those people and uh also don't be uh too downhearted when people don't reply to your demo because people i've seen the inboxes that some of these powerful people have got they're just Mm jam-packed it's not a personal thing and it feels so personal because you're putting your personality into it and you're pouring everything into it but you've got to just accept that rejection is part of this and it might not even be rejection it might just be that it went to their junk mail or whatever so just keep making more demos and i know it's it just feels exhausting sometimes, but just keep going for it and make more and send them out. And don't be afraid to send another one mm-hmm. because I used to be so scared of mithering. But actually, if you can just remind someone that you exist, that's really important because there's so many people who want these things. If you get into their inbox at a time when they need someone, then you'll be like, hello, I'm here. And that's really, you know, it just shows you're willing as well. So those would be my pieces of advice. Um, just get to know people. I mean, I think that's great, Vic. I think you'd be very comprehensive there. Um, so we're going to round things off. And as you are a national radio presenter who plays games all the time, we're going to play a game. Love it. Okay. So the name of the game is Solfact. And hats off to Parry and our team who came up with this whole idea. So I'm going to tell you five facts about the university and the wider city. And you're going to tell me if they are true or false. Okay. Okay. So let's play Solfact. Right. <laughs> you enjoyed that. I'm enjoying that. <laughs> right, fact number one. Okay, so the university has a number of famous alumni from the film and TV industry. This includes the multiple award-winning Sir Ben Kingsley, best known for playing the role of Gandhi, amongst many other roles. So Sir Ben graduated with her his master's degree in English back in 1971. True or false? True. That's false. Oh, no! I... But he did go. Yeah. I yeah. Did. So, uh, however, Sir Ben did actually grow up and study here in Salford, yeah. but at the former De La Salle College, which is now, <gasps> now part of Salford City College. But See, I, I thought I'd seen something about yeah. him being here. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. I Very see what close. you're doing. Going <laughs> so, to Red Herons. So, fact number two uh, this is a test of your pop culture knowledge from your time as a student. The X Factor contestant from 2016, Honey G. Best known for her hat and sunglasses look and yeah. singing Missy Elliott's Work It for her audition, is a Salford graduate of our music programme. True or false? <sighs> I, don't, I don't know. Did Honey G go here? What years would that have been? Can I ask questions? Okay, what, what years could she potentially have been here? Yeah. Uh, the early 2000s. Oh, okay, that doesn't help me. I wasn't here till 2014. Um, true. True. Yes, yeah. yeah, that is true. We went to the same uni as Honey G. Yeah. Oh, that's going on my bio. Yeah, it was 2004. She graduated, yeah, with a music degree there. And yeah, so the rapper who's gone on to release several songs of her own. But as you were shooting at, at the time, I thought, well, you might know Honey G. Not personally, but like you might be familiar with her tunes and her style. I know, when you said X Factor contestant, my first thought was Honey G. Was it? <laughs> well, there we go then. Yeah. On the right track. Yeah. Uh, so this one is about your knowledge of the city of Salford as a whole. Um, 
a fifth of Salford is a green space? Oh, I don't think that that's true. It is. Is it? It is. Yeah. Where's all the green space? So Salford is one of the north's greenest cities. No. Yeah, more than 20% of the city is regarded as a green space. I mean, look, you've got Peel Park, which is obviously a massive yes. green area. And that it's, it, I guess it's about, if you're more around the university, it's more of the urbanized side. But Salford is a massive city that has reaches of green pockets everywhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, I'm quite glad that we're really testing you here. You're, I'm not doing well, am I? Am I going to get kicked out of Salford? <laughs> How many points do I have to get to stay? <laughs> we will never kick you out. <laughs> we'll always welcome you back in. Right, okay, so these last two are music-based ones, okay? okay? So, fact number four. Um, this is going to test your knowledge of the university, but also its role in musical history. So, Maxwell Hall on our Peel Park campus is a former music venue that has played host to legendary acts from the 60s through to the 90s. One of the biggest acts to play there was David Bowie in 1974. True or false? I think... Ah, do you know what? I'm sure someone told me a story. Well, I went on a Manchester music tour, mm. but it wasn't about it wasn't David Bowie. There was um, what band was it? I can't remember, but there was like a legendary gig there or something where people were passing tickets out of the window so that people could get in. I'm pretty sure. So I know it. There was music there, but did David go? False. Yeah, you're right. It is false. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but you're so close, though, yeah. So, however, the venue did host gigs from The Who, Black Sabbath, Blondie, U2, and Paul McCartney over a 30-year span. Um, and this comes on to my last one, which you kind of almost alluded to, is, is our fact number five. No! Um, so, the Smiths gig at Maxwell Hall on the 20th of July, 1986, was named by Q Magazine as one of the best gigs ever. Yes. Yes, true. that is true. Because yeah. they said it was their favourite gig ever and the speakers were booming so much that the floor was shaking and there was too many people in there and uh, there's people apparently who were like, I was there, but yeah. we're never there. So yeah, so th this gig happened at the peak of the band's popularity. It was the night before their album Panic was released um, and there's footage on YouTube of the gig still. So yeah, well, I'm you don't, you've so done quite well there. I'm myself that I got your last one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That brings us to an end today. Oh. Vicky, we've loved having you with us today. Oh, it's been so much fun. Thank you for letting me reminisce. No, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and that brings an end to, to this very special episode of uh, Talking... Where's the camera? Very <laughs> special episode of Talking Salford. So uh, if you've liked what you've heard from Vicky today, do listen to other stories from our alumni over this season. And um, we'll be back next time.